Section 3 of Some Answered Questions by Abdul Baha. Translated by Laura Clifford Barney. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abu Jalal. Some Answered Questions by Abdul Baha. Translated by Laura Clifford Barney, Section 3. 7. Muhammad. Now we come to Muhammad. Americans and Europeans have heard a number of stories about the Prophet which they have thought to be true, although the narrators were either ignorant or antagonistic. Most of them were clergy, others were ignorant Muslims who repeated unfounded traditions about Muhammad, which they ignorantly believed to be his praise. Thus, some benighted Muslims made his polygamy the pivot of their praises, and held it to be a wonder, regarding it as a miracle. And European historians, for the most part, rely on the tales of these ignorant people. For example, a foolish man said to a clergyman that the true proof of greatness is bravery and the shedding of blood, and that in one day on the field of battle a follower of Muhammad had cut off the heads of one hundred men. This misled the clergyman to infer that murder is considered an accessory to the religion of Muhammad. The military expeditions of Muhammad, on the contrary, were always defensive actions. A proof of this is that during thirteen years in Mecca, he and his disciples endured the most violent persecutions. At this period, they were the target for the arrows of hatred. Some of his companions were killed and their property confiscated others fled to foreign lands muhammad himself after the most extreme persecutions by the Quraishites, who finally resolved to kill him fled to medina in the middle of the night yet even then his enemies did not cease their persecutions but pursued him to medina and his disciples even to abyssinia these arab tribes were in the lowest depths of savagery and barbarism and in comparison with them the savages and wild indians of america were as advanced as a plato the savages of america do not bury their children alive as these arabs did their daughters glorying in it as being an honorable thing to do thus many of the men would threaten their wives saying if a daughter is born to you i will kill you even down to the present time the arabs hate their daughters further if a man wished it he was permitted to take a thousand women and most husbands had more than ten wives in their household when these tribes made war the one which was victorious would take the women and children of the vanquished tribe
captive and treat them as slaves when a man who had ten wives died the sons of these women took possession of each other's mothers and if one of the sons threw his mantle over the head of his father's wife and cried out this woman is my lawful property at once the unfortunate woman became his prisoner and slave he could do whatever he wished with her he could kill her imprison her in a well or beat curse and torture her until death released her according to the arab habits and customs he was their master it is evident that malignity jealousy hatred and enmity must have existed between the wives and children of a household and it is therefore needless to enlarge upon the subject again consider what was the condition and life of these oppressed women moreover the means by which these arab tribes lived consisted in pillage and robbery so that they were perpetually engaged in fighting and war killing one another plundering and devastating each other's property and capturing women and children whom they would sell to strangers how often it happened that the daughters and sons of an emir who turned their days into nights of coquetry and extreme luxury saw their nights transformed into mornings of terrible shame poverty and captivity yesterday they were emirs today they are captives yesterday they were great ladies today they are slaves muhammad was reared among these tribes and after enduring thirteen years of persecution from them he fled but this people did not cease to oppress they united to exterminate him and all his followers it was under such circumstances that muhammad was forced to take up arms this is the truth personally we are not bigoted and do not wish to defend him but we are just and we say what is just look at it with justice if christ himself had been placed in such circumstances among such tyrannical and barbarous tribes and if for thirteen years he with his disciples had endured all these trials with patience culminating in flight from his native land if in spite of this these lawless tribes continued to pursue him to slaughter the men to pillage their property and to capture their women and children what would have been christ's conduct with regard to them if this oppression had fallen only upon himself he would have forgiven them and such an act of forgiveness would have been most praiseworthy but if he had seen that these cruel and bloodthirsty murderers wished to kill 
to pillage and to injure all these oppressed ones and to take captive the women and children it is certain that he would have protected them and would have resisted the tyrants what objection then can be taken to muhammad's action is it this that he did not with his followers and their women and children submit to these savage tribes to free these tribes from their bloodthirstiness was the greatest kindness and to coerce and restrain them was a true mercy they were like a man holding in his hand a cup of poison which when about to drink a friend breaks and thus saves him if christ had been placed in similar circumstances it is certain that with a conquering power he would have delivered the men women and children from the claws of these bloodthirsty wolves muhammad never fought against the christians on the contrary he treated them kindly and gave them perfect freedom a community of christian people lived at najran who were under his care and protection muhammad said if anyone infringes their rights i myself will be his enemy and in the presence of god i will bring a charge against him in the edicts which he promulgated it is clearly stated that the lives properties and laws of the christians and jews are under the protection of god and that if a mohammedan married a christian woman the husband must not prevent her from going to church nor oblige her to veil herself and that if she died he must place her remains in the care of the christian clergy should the christians desire to build a church islam ought to help them in case of war between islam and her enemies the christians should be exempted from the obligation of fighting unless they desired of their own free will to do so in defense of islam but as a compensation for this immunity they should pay yearly a small sum of money finally there are seven edicts on these subjects some copies of which are still extant at jerusalem this is an established fact and is not dependent on my affirmation the firman of the second caliphate still exists in the custody of the orthodox patriarch of jerusalem and of this there is no doubt nevertheless after a certain time and through the transgression of both the mohammedans and the christians hatred and enmity arose between them independently of this fact all the narrations of the muslims christians and others are simply fabrications which have their origin in fanaticism or ignorance except when they arise from enmity for example the muslims say that muhammad cleft the moon and that it fell on the mountain of mecca 
they think that the moon is a small body which muhammad divided into two parts and threw one part on this mountain and the other part on another mountain such stories are pure fanaticism also the traditions which the clergy quote and the incidents with which they find fault are all exaggerated if not entirely without foundation briefly muhammad appeared in the desert of hijaz in the arabian peninsula which was a desolate sterile wilderness sandy and uninhabited some parts like mecca and medina are extremely hot the people are nomads with the manners and customs of the dwellers in the desert and are entirely destitute of education and science muhammad himself was illiterate and the quran was originally written upon the blade bones of sheep or on palm leaves these details indicate the condition of the people to whom muhammad was sent the first question which he put to them was why do you not accept the pentateuch and the gospel and why do you not believe in christ and in moses this saying presented difficulties to them and they argued our forefathers did not believe in the pentateuch and the gospel tell us why was this he answered they were misled you ought to reject those who do not believe in the pentateuch and the gospel even though they are your fathers and your ancestors in such a country and amidst such barbarous tribes an illiterate man produced a book in which in a perfect and eloquent style he explained the divine attributes and perfections the prophethood of the messengers of god the divine laws and some scientific facts thus you know that before the observations of modern times that is to say during the first centuries and down to the fifteenth century of the christian era all the mathematicians of the world agreed that the earth was the center of the universe and that the sun moved the famous astronomer who was the protagonist of the new theory discovered the movement of the earth and the immobility of the sun until his time all the astronomers and philosophers of the world followed the ptolemaic system and whoever said anything against it was considered ignorant though pythagoras and plato during the latter part of his life adopted the theory that the annual movement of the sun around the zodiac does not proceed from the sun but rather from the movement of the earth around the sun this theory had been entirely forgotten and the ptolemaic system was accepted by all mathematicians but there are some verses revealed in the quran contrary to the theory of the ptolemaic system one of them is quote, the sun moves in a fixed place end quote, which shows the fixity of the sun and its movement around an axis 
Again, in another verse, quote, and each star moves in its own heaven. End quote. Thus is explained the movement of the sun, of the moon, of the earth, and of other bodies. When the Quran appeared, all the mathematicians ridiculed these statements and attributed the theory to ignorance. Even the doctors of Islam, when they saw that these verses were contrary to the accepted Ptolemaic system, were obliged to explain them away. It was not until the 15th century of the Christian era, nearly 900 years after Muhammad, that a famous astronomer made new observations and important discoveries by the aid of the telescope which he had invented. The rotation of the earth, the fixity of the sun, and also its movement around an axis were discovered. It is thus evident that the verses of the Quran agree with existing facts and that the Ptolemaic system is imaginary. In short, many Oriental peoples have been reared for thirteen centuries under the shadow of the religion of Muhammad. During the Middle Ages, while Europe was in the lowest depths of barbarism, the Arab peoples were superior to the other nations of the earth in learning, in the arts, mathematics, civilization, government, and other sciences. The enlightener and educator of these nomadic tribes and the founder of the civilization and perfections of humanity among these different races was an illiterate man, Muhammad. Was this illustrious man a thorough educator or not? A just judgment is necessary. 8. The Bob As for the Bob, may my soul be his sacrifice. At a youthful age, that is to say, when he had reached the twenty-fifth year of his blessed life, he stood forth to proclaim his cause. It was universally admitted by the Shiites that he had never studied in any school and had not acquired knowledge from any teacher. All the people of Shiraz bear witness to this. Nevertheless, he suddenly appeared before the people endowed with the most complete erudition. Although he was but a merchant, he confounded all the ulama of Persia. All alone, in a way which is beyond imagination, he upheld the cause against the Persians, who are renowned for their religious fanaticism. This illustrious soul arose with such power that he shook the supports of the religion, of the morals, the conditions, the habits, and the customs of Persia, and instituted new rules, new laws, and a new religion. Though the great personages of the state, nearly all the clergy and the public men, arose to destroy and annihilate him, he alone withstood them and moved the whole of Persia. Many ulama 
and public men as well as other people joyfully sacrificed their lives in his cause and hastened to the plain of martyrdom the government the nation the doctors of divinity and the great personages desired to extinguish his light but they could not do so at last his moon arose his star shone forth his foundations became firmly established and his dawning place became brilliant he imparted divine education and produced marvelous results on the thoughts morals customs and conditions of the persians he announced the glad tidings of the manifestation of the son of baha to his followers and prepared them to believe the appearance of such wonderful signs and great results the effects produced upon the minds of the people and upon the prevailing ideas the establishment of the foundations of progress and the organization of the principles of success and prosperity by a young merchant constitute the greatest proof that he was a perfect educator a just person will never hesitate to believe this nine baha'u'llah baha'u'llah appeared at a time when the persian empire was immersed in profound obscurantism and ignorance and lost in the blindest fanaticism in the european histories no doubt you have read detailed accounts of the morals customs and ideas of the persians during the last centuries it is useless to repeat them briefly we will say that persia had fallen so low that to all foreign travelers it was a matter of regret that this country which in former times had been so glorious and highly civilized had now become so decayed ruined and upset it was at this time that baha'u'llah appeared his father was one of the viziers not one of the ulama as all the people of persia know he had never studied in any school nor had he associated with the ulama or the men of learning the early part of his life was passed in the greatest happiness his companions and associates were persians of the highest rank but not learned men as soon as the bab became manifested baha'u'llah said quote, this great man is the lord of the righteous and faith in him is incumbent upon all End quote. and he arose to assist the bab and gave many proofs and positive evidences of his truth in spite of the fact that the ulama of the state religion had constrained the persian government to oppose and resist him and had further issued decrees ordering the massacre pillage persecution and expulsion of his followers 
in all the provinces they began to kill to burn to pillage the converts and even to assault the women and children regardless of this baha'u'llah arose to proclaim the word of the bab with the greatest firmness and energy not for one moment was he in concealment he mixed openly with his enemies he was occupied in showing forth evidences and proofs and was recognized as the herald of the word of god in many changes and chances he endured the greatest misfortunes and at every moment he ran the risk of being martyred he was put into chains and confined in an underground prison his vast property and inheritance were pillaged and confiscated he was exiled four times and found rest only in the greatest prison in spite of all this he never ceased for one instant his proclamation of the greatness of the cause of god he manifested such virtue knowledge and perfections that he became a wonder to all the people of persia so much so that in tehran baghdad constantinople rumelia and even in akka every one of the learned and scientific men who entered his presence whether friend or enemy never failed to receive the most sufficient and convincing answer to whatever question was propounded all frequently acknowledged that he was alone and unique in his perfections it often happened that in baghdad certain mohammedan ulama jewish rabbis and christians met together with some european scholars in a blessed reunion each one had some question to propose and although they were possessed of varying degrees of culture they each heard a sufficient and convincing reply and retired satisfied even the persian ulama who were at karbala and najaf chose a wise man whom they sent on a mission to him his name was mola hassan amu he came into the holy presence and proposed a number of questions on behalf of the ulama to which baha'u'llah replied then hassan amu said quote, the ulama recognize without hesitation and confess the knowledge and virtue of baha'u'llah and they are unanimously convinced that in all learning he has no peer or equal and it is also evident that he has never studied or acquired this learning but still the ulama said we are not contented with this we do not acknowledge the reality of his mission by virtue of his wisdom and righteousness therefore we ask him to show us a miracle in order to satisfy and tranquilize our hearts baha'u'llah replied quote, although you have no right to ask this for god should test his creatures and they should not test god still i allow 
and accept this request. But the cause of God is not a theatrical display that is presented every hour of which some new diversion may be asked for every day. If it were thus, the cause of God would become mere child's play. The ulama must therefore assemble and with one accord choose one miracle and write that after the performance of this miracle they will no longer entertain doubts about me and that all will acknowledge and confess the truth of my cause let them seal this paper and bring it to me this must be the accepted criterion if the miracle is performed no doubt will remain for them and if not we shall be convicted of imposture End quote. the learned man hassan amu rose and replied quote, there is no more to be said End quote. he then kissed the knee of the blessed one although he was not a believer and went he gathered the ulama and gave them the sacred message they consulted together and said quote, this man is an enchanter perhaps he will perform an enchantment and then we shall have nothing more to say End quote. acting on this belief they did not dare to push the matter further this man hassan amu mentioned this fact at many meetings after leaving karbala he went to kerman shah and tehran and spread a detailed account of it everywhere laying emphasis on the fear and withdrawal of the ulama briefly all his adversaries in the orient acknowledged his greatness grandeur knowledge and virtue and though they were his enemies they always spoke of him as the renowned baha'u'llah at the time when this great light suddenly arose upon the horizon of persia all the people the ministers the ulama the men of other classes rose against him pursuing him with the greatest animosity and proclaiming that this man wishes to suppress and destroy the religion the law the nation and the empire the same was said of christ but baha'u'llah alone and without support resisted them all without ever showing the least weakness at last they said as long as this man is in persia there will be no peace and tranquillity we must banish him so that persia may return to a state of quietude they proceeded to use violence towards him to oblige him to ask for permission to leave persia thinking that by this means the light of his truth would be extinguished but the result was quite the contrary the cause became magnified and its flame more intense at first it spread throughout persia only but the exile of baha'u'llah caused the diffusion of the cause throughout other countries afterwards his enemies said iraq arabi is not far enough from persia we must send him to a more distant kingdom this is why the persian government decided to send baha'u'llah 
from Iraq to Constantinople. Again, the event proved that the cause was not in the least weakened. Once more they said, Constantinople is a place of passage and of sojourn for various races and peoples. Among them are many Persians. For this reason, the Persians further exiled him to Romelia. But when there, the flame became more powerful and the cause more exalted. At last, the Persians said, Not one of these places is safe from his influence. We must send him to some place where he will be reduced to powerlessness and where his family and followers will have to submit to the direst afflictions. So they chose the prison of Akka, which is reserved especially for murderers, thieves, and highway robbers. And in truth, they classed him with such people. But the power of God became still further manifested, for his prison became the means of the promulgation of his doctrine and the proclamation of his word. The greatness of Baha'u'llah then became evident, for it was from this prison and under such circumstances that he caused Persia to advance from knowledge to knowledge. He overcame all his enemies and proved to them that they could not resist the cause. His holy teachings penetrated all regions, and his cause was established. Indeed, in all parts of Persia, his enemies arose against him with the greatest hatred, imprisoning, killing, and beating his converts, and burning and raising to the ground thousands of dwellings, striving by every means to exterminate and crush the cause. In spite of all this, from the prison of murderers, highway robbers, and thieves, it became exalted. His teachings were spread abroad, and his exhortations affected many of those who had been the most full of hatred, and made them firm believers. Even the Persian government itself became awakened, and regretted the evils that had arisen through the fault of the ulama. When Baha'u'llah came to this prison in the Holy Land, the wise men realized that the glad tidings which God gave through the tongue of the prophets two or three thousand years before were again manifested. And God was faithful to his promise, for to some of the prophets he had revealed and given the good news that the Lord of hosts should be manifested in the Holy Land. And these promises were fulfilled. And it is difficult to understand how Baha'u'llah could have been obliged to leave Persia and to pitch his tent in this Holy Land, but for the persecution of his enemies, his banishment and exile. His enemies intended that his imprisonment should completely destroy and annihilate the blessed cause. But this prison was in reality of the greatest assistance and became the means of its development.
the divine renown of baha'u'llah reached the east and the west and the rays of the sun of truth illuminated all the world praise be to god though he was a prisoner his tent was raised on mount carmel and he moved abroad with the greatest majesty every person friend or stranger who was honored by his presence used to say this is a prince not a captive as soon as he arrived at this prison he addressed an epistle to napoleon which he sent through the french ambassador the gist of it was quote, ask what is our crime and why we are confined in this prison and this dungeon End quote. napoleon made no reply then a second epistle was issued which is contained in the suratul haikal the epitome of it is quote, o napoleon as thou hast not listened to my proclamation and as thou hast not answered it thy dominion will before long be taken away from thee and thou wilt be utterly destroyed End quote. this epistle was sent to napoleon by post through the care of cesar Kitafagu, as was known to all the companions of his exile copies of this epistle were rapidly spread throughout the whole of persia for the kitabul haikal was then in circulation in persia and this letter was among the contents of this book this happened in 1869 a.d and as the suratul haikal was circulated in persia and india and was in the hands of all believers the fulfillment of the prophecy contained in this letter was confidently expected not long after in 1870 a.d the war between germany and france broke out and though no one at that time expected the victory of germany napoleon was defeated and dishonored he surrendered to his enemies and his glory was changed into deep abasement tablets were also sent to other kings and amongst them was the letter to his majesty Din shah in that epistle baha'u'llah said quote, have me summoned gather the ulama and ask for proofs and arguments so that the truth and falsehood may become known End quote. his majesty Din shah sent the blessed epistle to the ulama and proposed to them that they should undertake this mission but they dared not do so then he asked seven of the most celebrated among them to write an answer to the challenge after some time they returned the blessed letter saying quote, this man is the opposer of religion and the enemy of the shah End quote. his majesty the shah of persia was much vexed and said quote, this is a question for proofs and arguments and of truth and falsehood how can it refer to politics alas how much we respected these ulama 
who cannot even reply to this epistle end quote. briefly all that was recorded in the tablets to the kings has nearly been fulfilled if from the year 1870 a.d we compare the events that have occurred we will find that nearly all have appeared as predicted only a few remain which will afterwards become manifested so also foreign peoples and other sects who were not believers attributed many wonderful things to baha'u'llah some even believed that he was a saint and some even wrote of him one of them sayyid dawoodi a sunnite savant of baghdad wrote a short treatise in which he recorded some supernatural acts even now in all the parts of the east there are some people who though they do not believe in his manifestation nevertheless believe him to be a saint and have faith in his miracles to sum up both his antagonists and his partisans as well as all those who were received in the sacred spot acknowledged and bore witness to the greatness of baha'u'llah though they did not believe in him still they acknowledged his grandeur and as soon as they entered the sacred spot the presence of baha'u'llah produced such an effect on most of them that they could not utter a word how many times it happened that one of his most bitter enemies would resolve within himself i will say such and such things when i reach his presence and i will dispute and argue thus with him but when he entered the holy presence he would become amazed and confounded and remain speechless baha'u'llah had never studied arabic he had not had a tutor or teacher nor had he entered a school nevertheless the eloquence and elegance of his blessed expositions in arabic as well as his arabic writings caused astonishment and stupefaction to the most accomplished arabic scholars and all recognized and declared that he was incomparable and unequaled if we carefully examine the text of the bible we see that the divine manifestation never said to those who denied him whatever miracle you desire i am ready to perform and will submit to whatever test you propose but in the epistle to the shah baha'u'llah said clearly quote, gather the ulama and summon me that the evidences and proofs may be established End quote. for fifty years baha'u'llah faced his enemies like a mountain all wished to annihilate him and sought his destruction a thousand times they planned to crucify and destroy him and during these fifty years he was in constant danger in this day persia is in such a state of decadence and ruin that all intelligent men whether persians or foreigners who realize the true state of affairs recognize that its progress 
its civilization and its reconstruction depend upon the promulgation of the teachings and the development of the theories of this great personage christ in his blessed day in reality only educated twelve men the greatest of them was peter who nevertheless when he was tested thrice denied christ in spite of this the cause of christ subsequently permeated the world at the present day baha'u'llah has educated thousands of souls who while under the menace of the sword raise to the highest heaven the cry of yaw baha'u'llah and in the fire of tests their faces became illuminated like gold then reflect what will take place in the future finally we must be just and acknowledge what an educator this glorious being was what marvelous signs were manifested by him and what power and might have been realized in the world through him end of section three recording by abu jalal